Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Hi, this is uh, Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. Hey guys, this is Cam York from Team USA. Hello, this is Tim Stutzler. Hi, my name is Noel Gunnler. I'm Alexander Holtz of the Team Sweden. Hey, I'm Dylan Cousins. Hey, it's Phil Tomasino. Hi, this is Devin Levi. Major Junior. Looks back to the point, turns, fires, scores! What a shot! First OHO goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores! Connor Bedard has arrived here at the Brad Center, is first in the Western Hockey League. NCAA. Save! Watch out! Watch out! UMass are national champions! The NHL Draft. I am Slash and Kosa. This is Don Gunther of the Emmett Snow Kings. This is Luna McLoom from UGarn here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark. Hi, this is Matt Coronado from the Chicago Steel. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Hey, it's Paul Stones with a two-fall stampede. This is Fabian LaSalle. I play for Lulio. Hey, it's Corson Kuhlman from Brooks Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Sandkoven. I play for the Camels Blazers. It's just Wolfis from uh, Lulio Hockey. And more. Bring it! This is the Pipeline Show. Junior and college hockey have reached the holiday break. And after what has been a pretty entertaining half a season of hockey at many different levels, well, Omicron has entered the chat room. Welcome to the Pipeline Show, everybody. My name is Guy Flaming. This week is the last episode of 2021, as we have the World Junior Championship coming up. And uh, that week between uh, Christmas and uh, New Year's, I'm going to be tied up. We'll not be able to uh, put a show together and... Quite frankly, outside of the World Junior Championship, there won't be a whole lot going on because everything's kind of got an asterisk right now. What we've seen at many different levels is a suspension of operation. We're not even sure 100% if the World Junior is going to go at this point. As I'm speaking with you right now, it's Tuesday, the 22nd, and we know that the seating capacity has been reduced to 50%. I know media people who were intending on coming who have decided not to come. And those are the lucky few who were given accreditation. Uh, Some of us, even though we're local, did not. And uh, quite honestly, I'm not sure that I'd be going now anyway. But that's the situation we're in. We're going to have this week's uh, second half of our World Junior preview. The entries from three more countries will be uh, profiled here today. And of course, the Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. That's Alberta's best beef jerky. You don't win friends with salad. And if you're my son, you don't get uh, salad for Christmas presents either. True story. We asked him about a month ago. He's 17. Uh, what do you want for Christmas this year? Uh, nothing really. Uh, some jerky would be great, though. Make sure it's uh, Wilhawk, though. So, <laughs> easy to please. And if you're of the same mind, uh, if you're in Alberta, you can go to Leduc or Spruce Grove and pick up your uh, orders right there. And if not, then uh, if you're in Western Canada, any order, any size, anywhere, they will ship it to you. Vacuum sealed, fresh. Tasty, so delicious when you open it. Just the aroma is going to hit your nose and get you all excited. Oh, it's fantastic. WilhockBeefJerky.com. The CHL Top 10 as they enter the holiday break. The Winnipeg Ice still number one. The Edmonton Oil Kings are two. Kingston three. Charlottetown four. Followed by Everett, Quebec. The Kamloops, Blazers, Sherbrooke, Mississauga, and the Guelph Storm are ranked number 10. The honorable mentions this week go to Seattle, Gatineau, and the Barry Colts. You'll notice. Gone are the London Knights. 
They've been, I think, in the top 10 since the start of the year. They've dropped out now. Into the break, the leading scorer in the WHL is Matthew Savoy. Connor McLennan is next, but a five-point gap there. Matthew Savoy with 50 points, McLennan with 45. Uh, teammate Mikey Milne has 42 points. And if you, then you have Arshdeep Baines with the Red Deer Rebels. He's really come on here as of late, 39 points. Jackson Berezowski of the Everett Silvertips has 36 points. Now, in the Ontario Hockey League, even before the break, a lot of teams entered the break early as uh, there are six teams who were shut down or had games canceled in the final weekend uh, before the uh, first half of the season came to uh, an official close. So will everybody get back going again uh, here as scheduled shortly after Boxing Day? I guess we'll have to wait and see if that's going to be the case. Top scorers in the Ontario Hockey League right now, Brandon Coe and Lucas Edmonds. Coe plays for North Bay and Edmonds with the Kingston Frontenacs. 52 points apiece. Matt Vepetrov, also with North Bay, has 45. Then you've got Wyatt Johnston and Rory Cairns rounding out the top five in the OHL. Felix LaFrance from the Acadie Bathurst T-Town leads the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League in scoring. He has 50 points, but then it is a an absolute log jam. Four players with 47 points. Patrick Gay, William Dufour, Joshua Rawa, and Jordan Dumais. Xavier Simino also in the mix. He has 46 points. Really tight race uh, when it comes to the scoring race in uh, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. CJHL Top 20. The Brooks Bandits, who are 33-1-1, which is absolutely ridiculous. They are the number one team in the Canadian Junior Hockey League. Uh, Summerside is two, followed by the Junior A Senators from Ottawa. The Cam River Fighting Walleye are number four. Long Hill is five. St. Jerome, six. Red Lake, seven, followed by the Steinbach Pistons, Timmins, Fort McMurray, Humboldt, Toronto, Spruce Grove, Dauphin, the Sioux Thunderbirds, Powassan, Estevan, North York, Trenton, and the Pembroke Lumber Kings. Interesting news out of the USHL where they've completed their official investigation of everything that happened in Omaha. I take you back a couple of weeks, what, I guess about a month ago now, Chris Peters, Brad Schlossman, they were reporting all the dysfunction uh, happening within that organization. Ended up with the, the head coach being, was he fired? Did he step down? Anyway, the USHL has concluded that uh, there was no wrongdoing, nothing uh, untoward. Everything's above board. Nothing was going on. All, meals were being paid for. Equipment was being paid for. Everything, uh, everything happening the way it's supposed to. Move on. Nothing to see here. And went out of their way to discredit, uh, not by name, but media reports that being brad and chris who are good friends of the show and fantastic reporters so it sounds to me from from way on the outside looking in that uh i don't i don't think we've got the whole truth yet and there's going to be more that comes out because if i know chris and brad they're not they're not going to take it <laughs> you know you, you question their uh their credibility uh they're going to come back with uh even more information i would guess Meanwhile, statistically speaking, as we're just going through the top scorers in uh, the countries, in the leagues, rather, Stephen Halliday with 42 points, still leading the USHL in scoring. Jackson Blake is next. Connor Kurth has moved up into the number three spot. Adam Fantilli and Joe Miller, both of the Chicago Steel, are four and five. It's been a while since I uh, looked at the NAHL. Cade Nielsen continues to lead the league in scoring. He's got 43 points in 28 games. Plays for the Aberdeen Wings. Tommy Bannister from New Jersey and Brendan Dumas are number two and three in scoring. Jake Black from 
Jamestown, I believe, JHT, and Alexander Malinowski from Fairbanks. They both have 37. So does Cole Dubicki. He plays for Kenai River. And the USCHO poll hasn't changed. They haven't updated it since uh, the the big break. Uh, most teams have stopped playing after the December 13th. Uh, well, that was the Monday when the last ranking came out. So we'll skip that. We'll just look at the uh, leading scorers. Hank Crone from Northern Michigan has 29 points. He is tops NCAA Division I scoring. Drew Warad from Western Michigan. Nathan Smith of Minnesota State and Louis Boudin of, of Lake Superior all next with 27 points. Owen Sillinger, another Canadian from Bemidji State, has 25 points. I believe there's three or four Canadians there in the top five or six players. All right, but let's get to it. Uh, this is what we have coming up on the show today. Three guests. There was uh, intended to be four, but the fourth guest is a 2022 eligible player. He's playing in the World Junior Championship, and I kind of I was 50-50 on whether it was going to happen. Uh, the agent was trying to set it up. I have a good relationship with him. Uh, but this time, all the all the players are really busy with their national teams right now. So I didn't expect it necessarily, uh, and it's not going to happen. So three guests. Here's the order we're going to do them. Yoni Niemanen. He's Edmonton-based, but he's from Finland. He is going to be my guest to uh, set the stage for Team Finland for the 2022 World Junior Championship. From there, Julie Robenheimer will handle Team USA duties. She from EP Ringside. And we will close things out with Slava Malamud, who he's been doing this uh, with me. Like, you and he's been doing it. It must be 10 years now. He's been on every December to, to look at the Team Finland. Julie is on often to talk about Team USA or college hockey in general. Uh, and Slava, like Uni, has been doing this, coming on the Pipeline show every year for must be seven or eight years now. This might, and He's always lots of fun to talk to. This might be my favorite conversation with Slava that I've had so far. Lots to talk about with all three of my guests. And they all join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing based out of Red Deer. They've got a tap room that you can go into, although I would call ahead and just see if there's any regulations. As I said, everything's got an asterisk right now, so I would call ahead to see if they're open, and if they are, if there's uh, some regulations you need to be aware of. But they've got apparel on hand and uh, beers on tap that you can only get at the tap room. But if you happen to live in Alberta between Calgary and uh, St. Albert, that would include all the towns in between, yes, even Edmonton and Sherwood Park. You can get same-day home delivery. Go to troubledmonk.com shop and use promo code PIPELINE. Let's get after it. The 2022 World Junior Preview Show Part 2 kicks off next with Uni Niemannen looking at Team Finland. You're listening to the Pipeline Show, fueled by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hi, it's Moritz Seider from the Adler Mannheim of Germany. Zwei auf eins, Isis mit Seider und der macht sein erstes Deal-Tor. Fünf eins, Mannheim, Moritz Seider. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. Five-time Alberta Junior Hockey League champions, the Spruce Grove Saints, are back and welcoming fans to the Grant Fuhrer Arena for the 2021-22 season. A community-minded Junior A hockey organization offering affordable family entertainment. Tickets to big league hockey at affordable family rates range from $9 to $15 with free parking and some of the best food and drink specials in town. For more information on tickets and how you can become a partner, go to sprucegrovesaints.ca.
You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Oh, my. We are back on The Pipeline Show, and we're going to begin this week's episode with uh, a look, a close look at uh, Team Finland ahead of the 2022 World Junior Championship. Of course, The Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. That's Alberta's best beef jerky. You can't make friends. You can't win friends with salad. Uh, get him some beef jerky. And uh, my next guest coming uh, to us uh, from Spruce Grove, but he's from Finland originally, but uh, he's living in the backyard of Wilhawk Beef Jerky in Spruce Grove, and, or at least in that area. Yoni Niemann. Yoni, uh, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Thank you very much, Keith. It's good to be back. I, I, I don't live in Spruce Grove. I live in uh, Edmonton. Oh, you, I, you moved. You used to live out in Spruce Grove, didn't you? No, I just used to come there uh, for uh, stuff, but uh, I, I don't live there. No, <laughs> well, only you only played for the Spruce Grove Fun Timers, uh, and uh, you used to the Bucks. The Bucks, that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Didn't matter. You guys were losing to the Blueberry Muffins all the time. Uh, you have to remind me of that, please. <laughs> <laughs> Old times. All right. Well, you and I, Kitos Palion, for uh, joining me this week. I really appreciate oh, it. Oh, hola. I get to. I only get to bring that out, uh, you know, once a year when you're on the show. So I have to flex my Finnish muscle when I can. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of uh, flexing some Finnish muscle, the uh, the World Juniors this year, uh, Finland looks like they're returning a lot of players. Uh, I see the entire back end except for uh, Alexia Hemosalmi is uh, 19 year olds. This this looks like a team that can contend uh, this year. Uh, tell me I'm wrong, or do you think this is? A, I remember last year you were kind of downplaying their chances. Uh, I'm getting the sense. Do you think this year they're they're for real? Uh, I think this might be a little bit better team than last year. You know, like there's about ten or eleven guys back from last year, the team that won the bronze. But of course, the competition is really, really tough again. So uh, I I don't know if this would be a gold medal team, but uh, mm-hmm. you never know. Like once it's a short tournament, and once you can start playing crossover with the other division, anything can happen. So. So we'll see. I'd say this could be a, a meddling team. All right, that's fair. Uh, let's start in that as we look at the uh, at Finland's uh, entry into the World Junior this year. Uh, Joel Blomqvist, Juhu Yakula. I don't know if I even came close to that. And yeah. Levi, oh, yeah. Levi Marilainen, who's uh, playing in the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, is Blomqvist the, the starter on this team? I, I don't think they know exactly yet, but it, I, I assume Joel Blomqvist will be number one. You know, he's a Pittsburgh Penguins uh, draft pick and and a lot of people I talked to, and from, I guess last year he was kind of a like a learning. He was kind of here to study the the stuff, and mm-hmm. now this could be his his tournament. And a lot of people I've talked to, they think we're talking about a goalie here that could one day be uh, like a bona fide number one goalie in the NHL somewhere. Well, Pittsburgh, I guess. So that looks like he might be the guy. But then we have uh, Juha Jatkola, who uh, who. I think he kind of surprised people when they went to Sweden. He played really well there, and it looks like he might be able to like seriously challenge Joel Blomqvist for the starting uh, starting uh, thing. And then we got Levi Merilainen, as you mentioned, uh, who plays for the Kingston Frontenacs out in the Ontario League. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, I would think his advantage is he's played, he's played uh, a lot of North American hockey in the s- small rink. So he, that would be his uh, you know where the game is a little faster and a little bit different shots come a little on a little bit different angle. So, so yeah. I'm not sure. I, I would say Joel Blomqvist. I would start with him, but this tournament things can happen. So we'll see what happens. But there's three guys that are uh, they're all pretty good. There's been a lot of talk that the Finnish goalie goalie school is not a, what it used to be, but uh, I think we're in pretty good shape here. 
Well, Marilyn, I know his numbers, his stats this year, they're not spectacular. I think he's uh, over a yeah. three goals a game uh, average. But I think he might be the goaltender of the month or the, a goalie of the week in the OHL. So he might be coming in uh, hot right now. So that would be good timing for him. But I, I think Joel Blomquist is, is probably the guy as well. What about the back end? This, this seems to be a strength for this team. Lots of uh, veteran presence uh, on the blue line for Finland. Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm looking at it a little bit different. I, I think there might be a little bit. I'm thinking that the, the forwards are okay. diamond, but uh, a lot of, a lot of really, really a lot of skill and uh, and also a little bit of, little bit like a like a two-way guy as well. But I've got some question marks about uh, the, the. I must be honest with uh, with the defense. Uh, there's a lot of skill. There's a lot of mobility. Enough for sure, but I'm not sure if there's enough toughness and size. Right. So that's a little bit of a. We'll see. Like um, we, the main guy on the defense is Topi Niemela, the right. Toronto Maple Leafs pick who uh, played really well last year. And he's. It's interesting actually. In the Finnish league, he's one of the best uh, offensive defensemen already, and he's made some like historical. Uh, stats so far for an, a defenseman in the Finnish league, professional men's league, who's under 20 years old. Only, only defenseman who's ever under 20 year old defenseman who's ever had a better um, uh, points per game average as an under 20 year old defenseman ever in one season is somebody that I guess Edmontonians of certain uh, uh, certain uh, vintage will remember. His name was Reijo Ruotsalainen. I don't know, you might even be too young to remember Rexa Ruotsalainen. Well, I remember they called him Rexy, though. Rexy Ruotsalainen. Yes, yeah. Rexy Ruotsalainen. Yeah, yeah. Great, great, great player. Uh, but, uh, and even Miro Heiskanen, who I'm really high on, like, super defenseman for Dallas Stars. Yeah. Even he didn't have this type of numbers when he first came in. Like, of course, the stats tell one thing, and, you know, we don't know. But, but anyhow, that's a very, very promising from uh, Topi Niemela here. So that's where we're going to watch that with very big interest. Now, the only guy that is uh, big, at least on the blue line, is Vilay Ottavainen, who is a Seattle Kraken draft pick. Uh, outside yeah. of that, the concern is uh, that they're they're small, right? I mean, that's you think they could yeah. get pushed around? I don't know. We'll see. Like, if you can't catch a guy, it's hard to push him around, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but we'll see. I, it's hard to say. Like, Finland plays a certain type of game, and uh, they can compensate on if okay if they're not big or or tough, they can compensate that with with like we said mobility and moving the puck well and playing like that. And even the small guys, obviously, they you know a lot of them play pro hockey. They you really can't push them around. All right, Joni Niemann is my guest. We're looking at uh, Team Finland ahead of the World Junior Championship. Uh, and you mentioned the, the forwards uh, are the strength of this team, in your opinion. I know there are a couple of really high-profile guys for the 2022 NHL draft, and uh, Joachim Kemmel and uh, Brad Lambert. Uh, who else are you expecting big things from in this tournament? And maybe sometimes it's hard for those draft-eligible guys to really stand out, although you know, take me back to 2016 in Helsinki, and uh, yeah, that was the tournament for all the draft eligible guys, they were all the best players in the tournament that year. Uh, is this a year again where the Finns are led by those younger players? That's hard to say. We'll see. Well, the guy we really were looking forward to seeing this 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 tournament was absolutely like the number one centerman was Artur Ratu. Mm-hmm. You know, who last year wasn't picked because he didn't have a good season, 
And a couple of years ago, people thought he might be an first overall draft pick. And then he, I think he dropped about 50 spots and New York Islanders took him. Yep. And he went to the camp and even Barry Trotz said that this kid is a player and he got to play some exhibition with, with the big boys. And uh, he moved over the season, he moved from Karpatolu to uh, Mikkeli Jukurit with uh, Olli Jokinen as the coach. And he was just on fire. And then um, the, the team had some COVID protocol problems and, and he can't come. So I was calling it the Aturatu revenge tour when he was <laughs> playing so well everywhere. You know, like he was showing everybody wrong, proving everybody wrong. And then now he can't show it. It's really, you know, like last year, Finland had, uh, center position was the Finland strength with Antolun, and these guys and big hit on the, on the team for sure. There's a defenseman as well. They lost, but it, it's interesting how it's the same type of problems problems that we have over here with the, with this this uh, that happened really quick with with the covid and mm-hmm. like we always you know we always talk about how finland and and canada are like so much alike like basically the same same except finns are better looking <laughs> but uh but uh like or and canada's kind of like finland on steroids right <laughs> but uh like everything is bigger but uh unfortunately we have this thing in common as well yeah, that uh, Naturatu can make it, but uh, yeah, talking about these these draft kids, uh, Brad. We are, we asked last year how do they say Brad Lambert's name, and they said it's like French, it's Lambert. Yeah. So I was wondering, do they say it in Finnish or, or in English or what? It's apparently he's Brad Lambert. So he is a, a product of uh, Finnish mom and uh, Canadian dad. Right. And like I always say, our our great country should get together and here they did and uh, this is the this is the the, the product and uh, he hasn't had a very good season in in Finland and uh, and he's been on a, a few different teams o- over the last couple of years here and uh, we'll, we'll see like how how he does on this team like if he uh, it's, it, we'll see what happens but like he he tends to play kind of for himself I guess that's kind of what people say about him. I don't want to knock on a kid, but, but, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. He, he's probably playing center as well. He's not a big guy, but he's a very good skater and he's got a lot of skill, but, uh, but he's mostly offensive skills that like we saw last year, mm-hmm. but, uh, this other kid were, this is a 2002 born tournament and they're bringing this kid, Joachim Kemel, with, who we didn't know anything about him until this year when he made Uvascula Yup team in the in the Finnish league and and he's just been unbelievable. Like he's got 12 goals and even though he was out for a month because of a, a he was hurt. Yeah. And he's got a lot of lot of uh, like he's he's an all-around player. He's not a big guy, but there was a film earlier in the, that was on the social media earlier in the season where he just nailed somebody with a with a hip check and get playing like there, there's something this is probably one of the thing that I really want to see play this year because we haven't really had a chance. So Joachim Kemel born 2004, 17 years old. And he's, he's been absolutely on fire in the Finnish league with grown up men. So he's got a lot of, lot of skill, but he also is like all around player. Kemel and, and Lambert are on the same team. And yet, Kemmel is his production is just so much more than Lambert's and you know you, you mentioned it's not been a good year for him I had him on the show probably I don't know a month and a half ago maybe 
Uh, oh yeah. And, and I asked him, you know, because there's been a lot of interest. Obviously, the Saskatoon Blades hold his CHL rights, and maybe he stays in North America after the World Junior Championship uh, and finishes the year uh, in the Western Hockey League, uh, getting a lot of eyes on him ahead of the NHL draft. Uh, do you think that's a possibility? I have no idea. I, I would assume that these guys have contracts with the teams they're on. But I have no idea. That sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah. He would go to his dad's, uh, his, his family's uh, country. That's right. Saskatchewan. Well, and yeah. he played for the Saskatoon. <laughs> his dad played for Saskatoon as well. So he's got that connection. Right. Aside from uh, Kemmel and Lambert, uh, who do you expect to lead this team offensively this year? Uh, well, there's a few guys, like guys we've seen before. Ruby Adventia has a, he's been playing in the American League. So he's got uh, with Ottawa's uh, team there. Yep. Um, there's a few guys. Uh, uh, well, Ville Koivunen, I find that he plays for up in Oulun Karpat, and he's taken a, a really good. Uh, it's like he's taken a spot on the men's professional team. And he might be one guy who people don't really know about yet, but uh, uh, I've talked to a few guys. It seems like there might be somebody that. We will notice this in the coming weeks here, but uh, but we'll see. And there's guys that we already know, like uh, like Ronnie Hirvonen and 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 uh, and uh, Samuel Helenius, who's uh, mm-hmm. who's 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 the son of uh, of a uh, of a uh, of Sami Helenius, who we uh, used to watch in the, in the NHL, actually Dallas born. Uh, who was a big, big kid and uh, played in the middle last year, I think. Yeah, so he might be a, a lower, lower, uh, lower line centerman that uh, we might see uh, play some in a good role. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's a few of them. Uh, one interesting kid that uh, I'm looking forward to watching as well is his name is Olli Nikupetteri, and uh, he's been played the last few years in Sweden. Like the um, Luleå hockey team in uh, Sweden, they apparently they they recruit Finnish kids from the other side of the border, like way up north. Okay. And uh, and uh, he's been playing there for a few years, and uh, and this year he's actually made the men's professional team, and he's played on that team for about twenty eighteen or twenty games. So okay. there's an <clears throat> interesting kid that I've never heard of before, and and that comes out of Sweden. Uh, overall, with this team, you mentioned the the lack of size on the blue line, but is there a concern that you have about this team? Like, do you have anything about this club that you're waiting to see about? Not really. I think they have a little bit of everything. And the one advantage they have is Coach Antti Pennanen. Like, I, I'm really high on this guy. Like, he, he's one of the best coaches in, in Finland already, and, and most likely he's going to coach the big men's national, the big Lions, one day. Hmm. Like he he's there's a lot of superlatives about this guy and just talking to him a couple of times last year like uh, so impressed like he seems to understand like a lot of how to coach modern players and how to make a team and how how different guys different uh, roles on the team and you know Jukka Jalonen is the big number one coach over there and and this Antti Pennanen has has kind of learned under Jukka Jalonen at one time as well and uh, really impressive. Uh, Really, really impressive coach. I I could tell a little story last year when they played played the bronze medal game. Twenty four hours after they lost uh, a really tough uh, tough game, they could have made it to the final. They didn't. And I 
I got to ask in the press box, got to ask one of the first questions. I was wondering if I could get anything out of this guy because they, and I asked, uh, I asked how, uh, how did they get together in 24 hours? And he, at that day, uh, I don't know if you listen to a certain type of music, but uh, there's a Finnish band called Children of Bodom, more on the heavy variety. They've okay. been to Edmonton many times. And their guitar player, Alexi Laiho, pa- had passed away that day. Mm. That was a big, big, big deal. Like that was uh, something that it was prob- probably the all-time best rock and roll guitar player in or heavy metal guitar player in ever Finland ever produced. And he passed away way too young. And, uh, and, uh, he said that he, t- he said that, that they got together and they talked about that over breakfast and, you know, how they, how they lost like somebody who in his field was like, you know, like a Wayne Gretzky basically. Right. And, uh, I said that I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> I got my quote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah so Ante Pennon, yeah, he's pretty cool like he can see the what these people have in common with somebody who's good at something else that's that's really really cool guy really really cool coach and and like I said yeah he he knows his hockey well you know the, the way the divisions are stacking up uh, the uh, Finland is in pool A with Canada the Czechs uh, Germany and Austria is there any reason to think that they won't finish in the top two uh no but you never, you never, you can never think about too ahead of yourself in these tournaments because anybody can have a really good day if you have a bad day or if you if you go out there thinking that this is just a, you know another practice you're going to lose. Yeah. But I'm sure like this this team has enough experience and and they have a really good coaching staff like they on top of Ben and of course they they got Mikko Koivu with them and and Antti Miettinen and guys like that. So they're they're going to make sure these kids are ready, if they're not already. I'm, I'm sure they are anyway. But but uh, no, there's no reason. Sounds like an all-star team on the bench. That's uh, that's for sure. Fantastic. Well, the uni as always, it's uh, great to catch up with you once again. And of course, Kitos uh, for uh, joining me here this again this year. Olehuva, my pleasure. It's always always fun to talk about this and uh, and really looking forward to this tournament, seeing seeing what how these guys do and how everybody does and what everybody brings. Well, enjoy it. You get to uh, you're going in to the game, so uh, you know enjoy the tournament from uh, from the press box. Yeah, last year there were some a lot of games. There were like two guys in there. Yeah, and uh, and uh, no fans. Like Team Canada, unfortunately, lost in front of their own own uh, Zamboni drivers. <laughs> and. Uh, you know, and uh, and uh, hopefully, hopefully this year will be much better. That's Yuni Niemanen, who is a good friend of the Pipeline Show. He's been coming on the program. Well, oh, it's got to be a decade by now. Always this time of year to uh, help set the table for Team Finland ahead of the World Junior Championship. He's always the the first guy to give me the inside scoop on guys like Patrick Laine and Jesse Puljujarvi and Sasha Barkov. Before that, Mikko Rantanen, Rasmus Ristolainen. Uh, unfortunate for Finland without uh, Aturatu this year. After a, a terrible season last year, he's been on fire since the draft. Uh, he could have been a big part of this team for them, but all eyes on Joachim Kemel and Brad Lambert. Should be a fun tournament. Finland's always good. They're always good. They should finish second, at least second, in Pool A. Sets up well for them in the first uh, stage of the medal round. And they got a chance to get to the gold medal game. Never count out the Finns. Next up here on the Pipeline Show, we'll preview the defending champs, the gold medal winners from last year's tournament, 
the United States. And to do that, Julie Robenheimer from EP Ringside is back on the Pipeline Show next, powered by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Adam Fantilli spins a pass, though. Samuel Skevich up high, scores! The Sting ran over time, up high! Pierces one by Corpy, and Chicago wins a thriller. Four to three, Mackie Samoskevich, welcome back, Stingray. Hey, this is Mackie Samoskevich from the Chicago Steel, and this is the Pipeline Show. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Joe Pavelski. And Johnny Gaudreau. We're stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. The cream will rise to the top. Oh, yeah. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. We're back on the Pipeline Show with Keith Flaming. Of course, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. Uh, my next guest is going to help us set the tournament up for a Team USA defending gold medalist. Uh, hopefully, we get fans in the building this year, and that'll be uh, a different uh, atmosphere for sure. But uh, my next guest is on her way, at least. Knock on wood that it still happens. Julie Robenheimer from EP Rankside. Uh, welcome back to the program. Julie, how are things? Things are good, as always. Well, that's great to hear. And uh, I know uh, you're going to be spending a lot of time in Red Deer before uh, you and Team USA move up here to, to Edmonton. But uh, any concerns right now with travel? I, I would have to think everything's kind of uh, with an asterisk at this point. Yeah, everything's a concern. Yes. <laughs> Like, literally, I, I cannot uh, update Twitter fast enough just in case something new happens uh, that I need to be aware of. All right. Well, so you're not here yet, but you'll be coming soon. Team USA is in uh, in the Red Deer area. I know there's uh, some uh, some changes with the pre-tournament schedule for a bunch of teams. I know Canada and Russia postponed their game for a day uh, to watch Team USA. I know you saw them in uh, at their training camp. Uh, let's start in net. And uh, to me, this if there's a question mark, for Team USA, there's so much depth on this team, but in, in goal, there's a bit of a question mark for me. Drew Camesso, I would assume, is the starter. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, no, I don't think you're wrong, but I will say this. I think Caden and Berko impressed a little more than they were expecting him to in the selection camp. Mm. So um, I feel they're going with Drew because of his experience, um, and that goes beyond even just like his team USA experience with the national team development program, which of course Caden has also, um, but his college hockey experience, um, his cool, calm, collective composure in net. Um, but I feel that they also feel comfortable that if they have to go with Emberco, that they feel that he could, you know, do the job as well. So I, I think they're, not as solid as they were last year with last year's tandem, um, you know, with um, Dustin and, and Spencer, but um, you know, they're, they're pretty confident. And what is helpful in that regard is that they are a lot more confident in their blue line this year 
to make it a little bit easier for their goaltenders. All right, we'll get to the blue line in a second. I wanted to ask one more question about the goaltenders. Camesso is 19, Embarico is 18, and, and Dylan Silverstein, who comes in as a 17-year-old. To me, that would, that's a bit surprising. I mean, the United States has a lot of talented players, and including Annette. Uh, but on paper, it almost looks like maybe the pool of goalies right now is a little thin. Is that fair, or did they uh, decide to do this on purpose to have an 18-year-old and a 17-year-old rather than, say, three 19-year-olds or something like that? No, that's on purpose. Uh, you know, like the, um, in in terms of the uh, the talent pool in goal right now, um, it's just not as as deep or as strong as it has been in recent years. Um, so. Usually they have, I don't want to say usually, but usually they have like two backups and then like their third goalie is a guy that they're grooming for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just so happens that, you know, it, it, it extends into, you know, the true backup position um, where, you know, barring injury or, or whatnot, that Emberco would, would be the go-to guy for this team in 2023. All right, fair enough. Julie Robenheimer is my guest uh, from EP Ringside. Uh, you touched on the blue line. Let's get in it. And uh, Jake Sanderson, I think, would be considered the biggest name, but there's, I mean, every guy on the blue line for the Americans is a drafted player. Most of them drafted fairly high. Is there an overall identity that you can assess to this, this group? I would say versatile, if if I had to, to pick one. Uh, they've done a really good job of pairing a steady, strong kind of stay at home guy, super smart, super defensively responsible with a guy who acts a little bit more and maybe a lot more in some cases, like a fourth forward jumping into the play, um, really balancing out uh, those two aspects of, you know, what players can bring from the blue line. So, um, you know, Jake is going to be logging a ton of minutes. Uh, like I, I feel like he'll probably be out there every other shift when the game, you know, is on the line and it matters. Um, So the interesting part is I think based on what I saw that he is going to be paired with um, Ian Moore, um, which is an interesting combination. Um, But then you have a guy like Luke Hughes, uh, who definitely acts like that fourth forward from the blue line. He'll quarterback a power play. Jake will quarterback the other power play. Um, and then, uh, but Luke will be with uh, Brock Faber, who's another returning player from last year's team. They really balance out e- each other out. They almost exclusively practice together during the selection camp. So I would be surprised if, um, you know, anything causes that to be uh, different once the tournament starts. Um, but I will say another guy that I'm really excited to watch more is Jack Parrott. And that is because he was essentially, no, he wasn't essentially, he was a late addition mm-hmm. um, due to uh, a couple guys, you know, testing positive and creating new spots uh, in the selection camp. So he was the guy that originally was not invited to camp. And not only did he like earn a spot on the team, but I'm willing to bet he earned a pretty significant spot on this team. Um, he could potentially be, be playing with uh, Wyatt Kaiser, um, who not, not only being a really good defenseman, he is an interesting cat. Um, he's actually really into pottery. Kaiser? Yeah, that's how he like calms himself down. And, and he actually um, liked it so much that he took a class 
on like making pottery at uh, Minnesota Duluth. So little fun fact about him. Uh, so anyways, uh, in terms of, of the blue line, there is a lot of options. There's a lot of versatility. Um, there's different, you know, combinations that, that they can use. Um, and it, it's really a strength of this year's team, whereas it was not a strength of last year's team. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be super curious. I mean, even like you look at a guy like Scott Morrow, of course, I have to talk about being a very proud UMass alum. <laughs> he is a freshman at the university of Massachusetts. Um, you know, he's another guy that acts like the fourth forward. I've talked to Nate Lehman about him quite a bit. And, um, you know, he's pretty much the first to tell you that he is UMass's best player. Um, so uh, again, lots of depth, lots of versatility, um, great uh, defensive positioning, awareness, smarts on the blue line. And then also on the flip side, just a ton of offense, really strong and smart transition game. Um, so I, I 100% expect the defense to be a huge strength for Team USA at the World Junior Championship. Julie Robenheimer is my guest at breaking down Team USA for us ahead of the 2022 World Junior Championship. Uh, all right, let's go to the forward unit. And and again, there's almost every player uh, that's uh, on the American forward group is a drafted player. Of course, Logan Cooley is eligible this year. Dominic James uh, not drafted yet, but uh, having a terrific season uh, at his college at uh, Minnesota Duluth. Who is the uh, maybe the, the de facto leader when it comes to not just offense, but in the dressing room? Who's the emotional guy that's uh, going to lead this group up front? Uh, well, I don't think there's a question that it's Matthew Veneers. Um, he was a surprise at last year's World Juniors as a draft-eligible player. Um, and I think the only thing that was really surprising about it is that he, not even necessarily that he played so well, but that he was that guy that was so reliable defensively, especially for being such a young guy, that he got a lot of chatter about him. Um, so he'll drive the offense uh, for this team, and that'll be an interesting role for him. It is something that he does at Michigan, but it's new. Like we, when you think of Matty Beneers, you think of his defensive responsibility. You think of him winning faceoffs. You think of um, you know him being able to shut down the opposition. You think of him as this like third line swing guy, but he has been working a lot on his shot, on his offense having that quick release, being more accurate. And, you know, we've seen it at Michigan, and I think we're going to see a lot more of it um, in this tournament. I expect him and Brett Berard to be paired up together again. Um, they complement each other really, really well. They've been playing together since they were kids um, with the South Shore Kings um, in Massachusetts. Uh, and then again at the U.S. National Team Development Program. So there's a lot of um, innate chemistry um, in that offensive pair. Um, so I don't know that they're necessarily going to be relied on to carry the scoring because for Team USA, it, you know, they don't have the Cole Caulfields. They don't have the Trevor Zegras, you know, this year. There's not one guy that's going to mm. take the reins and run with it. Um, it's going to be done by a committee, but I definitely feel that this line with Maddie Beneers and Brett Berard is – and if I had to guess, I would say that Matthew Coronado was going to be alongside them. Um, but I would expect that that line is going to be 
a major contributing factor to Team USA's offense. Yeah, I was going to ask if it was offense by committee, but that committee is really deep. Uh, I mean, there's yeah. going to be guys on the third or fourth line who can definitely contribute offensively as well. And you mentioned Matt Coronado would be expected to be the guy, the third player uh, third player on that uh, trio with uh, Beniers and Berard. Uh, who else, who, who's maybe not getting enough attention yet? You think it's going to come in and be sneaky good? Might be that third or fourth liner to start the tournament, but uh, carves out a bigger role for himself. Well, there's there's lots of options uh, for Team USA, and you know, Gee, that I always say that the team that wins is the team that has the strongest third line because you need that third line to contribute, and that has truly been the hallmark of championship teams in general, but specifically Team USA's that have won the gold medal at this tournament. They have all had ridiculously strong third lines, and. Again, I think that's the strength of Team USA this year. You mentioned the depth. Um, I'm looking at guys like Landon Flaggert. He can play up and down your lineup. He can play fourth line, energy role, shutdown role, um, or he could play top line minutes. Um, he's, he's that versatile in how he can contribute um, to the team. Another guy is Carter Major, who mm-hmm. I don't think anybody had on their radar at all. And, you know, he had a good showing at the summer showcase in July. He's had a great start to his season at Denver. Uh, he had a terrific selection camp. Uh, again, another guy, super versatile. He could play middle six. He could play bottom six. Um, you know, really brings a lot to the table. Um, another guy that I would keep my eye on is Logan Cooley. Again, he was a guy that wasn't initially invited to the camp, but because of some positive COVID tests, um, an opportunity, you know, was created for him. The door opened and he pretty much barreled right through it. Um, I mean, he could potentially even be their second line center. Um, they're going to give him a shot uh, in the preliminary game to see what he can do. And, um, you know, if, if he can handle it, he'll probably stay at center. Um, but they also don't want to like hang him out to dry. So if they have to move him to wing, they'll, they'll move him to wing and, and get it done that way. But those are three guys that I think, Oh, and you know who else? Red Savage. Mm-hmm. I think he is just such a strong defensive minded player. And you know, I love those kind of muckers and grinders and loose puck finders. And he is tops on my list in that, um, department for team USA this year. So I love what he brings to the table. Just kind of like that spit and vinegar, workhorse, you know, willing to, to do the grunt work um, to, to get things going offensively. So um, those, are, those are guys that I would, I would have my eye on in that respect. Matthew Nye is the only guy up front that I would describe as a big guy, 6'3", big guy. And, yeah. Yeah, six, three and, and uh, 205 pounds, uh, what he's listed at, or I'm looking at elite prospects. Outside of that, Everybody else is kind of average size. That's not to say they're going to get pushed around. And I would assume speed is going to be something that we see a lot from the Americans with. Yeah, Team USA is super, super fast. You mentioned Dominic James uh, earlier. He's a guy that brings a lot of that um, uh, as well. But in terms of Matthew Nyes, like, honestly, if he's not posted up in front of the net Mm -hmm. all day, every day, I'm going to be disappointed. Um, But I will say this. He is also tremendously skilled. So while he is a big body and while he has no problem, you know, utilizing that to his advantage, he's got some great hands as well. He's very fast, can contribute off the rush. So 
I think that line is going to be interesting to see like where he slots in. Um, because like I said, that first line is pretty much set, but every other line is pretty much up for grabs. Um, so I, I'm, he's definitely one guy that I'm excited to see. And like I said, I just want him to be a huge net front presence. If that doesn't happen, I'll be really disappointed. How many returnees from last year's gold medal winning team? Seven. Seven. I remember correctly. I mean, that that's yeah. invaluable to have that much uh, returning experience. And uh, so guys who have been here, they know the facility, obviously. It's going to be a little different uh, with fans, hopefully. Knock on wood again that we will still see uh, fans in the building. Uh, but what are your expectations for this club? You, you kind of described them as probably better than they were even last year, and they won gold last year. Well, it's it's kind of the opposite, uh, of uh, almost the exact opposite of last year. Last year's strengths were goaltending and offense, and this year's strength is defense. All right. So it's, it's completely opposite. But in terms of what they have the potential to do, yeah, could they repeat? Absolutely. The, the biggest question mark is going to be, are they going to be able to get all three, if not four lines rolling offensively and contributing in that way? And that, to me, is even more powerful and more effective than having, you know, two good lines, because that forces the opposition to put out a strong defensive, you know, matchup every single shift, which is really hard to keep up with. Mm -hmm. So if USA is as deep, um, you know, maybe not as offensively skilled, but I'm going to say offensively capable um, in all four lines, that is going to present a huge challenge. And then again, with their strength in, in offense, not only from a de or excuse me, their strength in defense, not only from a defensive perspective, but the defense's ability to contribute offensively, you know, I always say your best defense is to be in the offensive zone, right? Mm -hmm. So if your defense can help you do that, you know, you're already putting yourself in a good position to limit, um, uh, uh, you know, the opposition from coming down on your goaltender and peppering them with too many shots. So I feel like that's going to be the, the challenge for Team USA is if they can be strong defensively as a team, um, have an effective transition game. And I feel like you can say this about any team, too, but um, have an effective transition game and um, control puck possession you know, they're going to have a chance where they're going to struggle is if they have to be, if they're forced to play off the rush and kind of like a one and done situation in the offensive zone, that's going to be a challenge for them. But if they can, can set up and get to work and control the, the possession, they've got a really good chance to, to win the game. Um, and if they can string that together at the right time, they have a really good chance to win cold. Tough pool, uh, B pool with the U.S., the Russians, Swedes, Slovakia, and, and Switzerland is obviously, I think, uh, they're going to struggle in this tournament, the Swiss. But uh, of the other three opponents, uh, there isn't really an easy night. Even Slovakia this year, it's young, but they got a lot of skill and talent on that club. Is there a matchup you're looking forward to seeing in the uh, round-robin portion? All of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, there, there isn't one, I mean, you know me. I love all games. I see value in all matchups. Um, I find every game interesting. So, um, I, you know, I, I mean, obviously it kind of always boils down to that New Year's Eve game um, to, to see like where the final placement is. So if I had to pick one, I, I would say that one, which I believe is against Sweden. Um, so, uh, you know, but in general, 
and I was, I was talking to a couple of uh, USA hockey executives about this and, you know, calling it the group of death. But I always feel like when you come out of the group of death, you are so much stronger um, than if you have weak opponents leading into the quarterfinals and, and the medal round. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, embrace the challenge and uh, get after it. Well, looking forward to the tournament for sure. The uh, It's actually the United States and Russia on New Year's uh, Eve. They play the Swedes on the 29th, so Sweden and Russia to close out uh, 2021. Uh, Julie, as always, it's been fantastic. Great to catch up. Uh, if we get to cross paths at all in Edmonton, that would be a treat for me, uh, but I hope you enjoy the tournament and uh, enjoy your time here in Edmonton. Sounds great. Thank you so much. I will say I'm not, I checked the weather, I am not prepared. <laughs> I think it's supposed like, to warm up right around New Year's, but yeah, until then, it's going to be chilly. It's chilly. It's colder in Alberta right now than it was in Ufa, Russia in 2013. <laughs> yeah. Like, legitimately. Hey, I, I'm pretty sure the last time you were up here for the World Junior, what was that, like 2011-something? Uh, yeah. It, it was chilly then, too, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was It was toasty. That was 2012. But, 12. well, I mean, I guess it, it was 2011, December 2011. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was toasty. And that was the first time that I... Um, what are those things that you have to like hook up to your car so your car doesn't freeze? Yeah, block heater. Cars? Yeah, block heater. Yeah. I never knew what that was. I was like, what are all these? Like, do you have that many electric cars? And you're yeah. like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had no clue. I was like, oh, you need to heat up your car. And so now I'm thinking because I have to rent a car while I'm up there. I was uh-huh. like, crap. Am I going to have to like figure out how to use this block heater is is this that cold or not quite there yet yeah it is yep i'm gonna freeze my butt off that's all i know (laughs) julia this is fun thanks for doing this you bet talk soon that's the team usa preview courtesy of julie robenheimer from ep ringside always great when she's on the program Uh, i think this u.s team is going to be it's going to be a fun one to watch I do, I will say, right up front, I have some concerns with them in net. Drew Camesso, to me, is average. Uh, I think uh, I'll say that. Uh, but I really like their blue line. I think they've got uh, some serious offensive uh, punch up front as well. Uh, I think this is going to be uh, a gold medal contender again. I won't be surprised if they're in that uh, that gold medal game. If if there is their undoing, I think it'll be, you know, they might have to win games by scoring four or five goals. And maybe they come up against a goaltender like a Jesper Wallstead, for example, with Sweden, who I think can be a, a goaltender who steals games. I, I think you look at the Swedes and the Americans, and they're just opposites. The U.S. has great defense and the offensive uh, forwards up front, questionable net mining. The Swedes, I think they're thin up front, as we heard Jimmy Homreen from EP Ringside last week describe them. Thin up front, but they have some really talented game breakers uh, offensively. A good blue line, let's say it's a good blue line, but maybe, arguably, the best goaltender in the tournament. So I think that game between the U.S. and the Swedes, are that's going to be a really telling game, I think. But for me, they're they're the two teams in, in uh, Pool B that, uh, that I'm expecting to come out of that uh, pool and to really push for uh, placement on the podium when it's all said and done. There is another team in Pool B, and that would be Russia, and you can never look past the Russians. You can never count them out. But uh, my guest is Slava Malamud. We're going to look closely at the Russians because this is a team making a lot of noise, more so for who's not on the team than who's on it, perhaps. But there are still some big-name players, and the Russians have never missed the podium two years in a row, ever. 
They weren't on the podium last year. Slava Malamud, he's up next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. My name is Klim Kostin from Team Russia. Trying to drop it back. That was Klim Kostin. Read the play and intercepted for Russia. Pavel Konikov. Shots off the skate, goes to Kostin. Russia scores. It bounced right to Klim Kostin, and it's time. This is the Pipeline Show. Troubled Monk Brew of the Week is the one that started it all. Tell us more about this classic, bud. Golden Gates Golden Ale. An easy drinking golden ale that you can use as your gateway to craft beer. This beer highlights the best malt in the world, grown right here in our backyard. Player comparable, Nathan McKinnon. Underrated, yet awesome, every time out. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at troubledmonk.com. Troubled Monk craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. You want to go do karate in the garage? Yup. This is the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming and we're going to continue with our 2022 World Junior preview. So we're going country by country and uh, the last stop on our tour is Russia. Of course, the program is brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. That is Alberta's best beef jerky. If you live in Western Canada, you can have it shipped to you. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada. And it comes to you vacuum sealed, fresh, absolutely delicious when it arrives to you. Uh, my next guest, uh, I don't think you're coming up here, are you, for the tournament? Uh, Slava Malamud is my guest to talk about Team Russia. You're not on your way up, are you? No, I'll sit this one out. Thanks. I'm sure you were you were gonna drive, but uh, man, if, if for the for our audience that are listening right now, if you had, if you don't follow Slava on uh, on Twitter, it's at Slava Malamud. Man, you've it's like planes, trains, automobiles, except not nearly as funny. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to drive to Toronto just a couple of days ago, and my car died immediately as I uh, waved goodbye to the Canadian border guard. Uh, that's it. Like two kilometers into the Great White North. It quit. <laughs> That's terrible. Well, you're so you're back uh, on stateside, and uh, it's it's all taken care of now. I'm I'm hoping. Probably we'll see how it goes. Uh, but uh, yeah, I had to I had to beat a hasty retreat back back <laughs> to the United States. All right. Well, uh, if you don't follow Slava on Twitter, that's his uh, Twitter handle, and of course the website you can check out all his stuff is slavadoesamerica.com. Now, you join me every year at this time to preview the the Russian team ahead of the World Junior Championship. And this year, I'm really interested to hear your take because so much has been made about the Russians and who are who's on the roster. Maybe more likely, more about who's not on the roster. Nobody playing in North America. All these players that are really uh, high-caliber players eligible to, for the team playing in the OHL or the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League or uh, Yan Kuznetsov, who was in the American Hockey League, they didn't <laughs> decide to put any of them on the Russian yeah. World Junior team this year. Is that a mistake, or is this just a case of, uh, well, maybe the Russians know what they're doing? Well, this is definitely big news, if, it, if it's anything at all. Um, and if, oh, assuming the tournament even happens, you know, the NHL is canceling games left and right, but yep. let's assume it happens. Uh, this will be the first time in 15 years that Russia will not have a single uh, player uh, from, 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 from a North American team. 
so obviously this this is big news in Russia as well. Uh, and uh, Zubov, uh, the, the the third head coach, Sergei Zubov is the third head coach the team has had in the last few months after uh, Igor Larionov was demoted to coach the second national team. Hmm. Uh, Zubov was brought in. I mean, he's a legendary defenseman, of course. And uh, as we, we we seem to every year, we seem to talk about the Russia's deficiency in defense. Yeah. I mean, if anybody <laughs> if anybody has the expertise in how to play the blue line in in, in all of Russia, it's this Hall of Fame caliber defenseman. But yeah, he uh, he has made this a very interesting decision to not bring a single a single uh, North American player. Any idea why? Uh, well. When when people were asking him, even like a, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, about North American players, he like said, oh, you know, there's a couple of scouts looking at them. But it was kind of obvious he wasn't even considering them at that point. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it looked like he had made his decision that he was just going to rely on, uh, on Russian players. Now, it's very easy to look at this and look for political uh uh, you know, pol- political storylines or pol- political underwater currents. Like right. he's trying to curry favor with his bosses. His bosses are Gazprom, a state-owned uh, energy company. Uh, he is, um, you know, he's trying to show this patriotic side or whatever. Uh, but on the other side, on the other hand, and of course, he has stocked the team with Scott St. Petersburg players. Now, these are the players from the Gazprom-owned uh, club. The 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 richest team in, in the KHL, mm. and there are ten of them. It's I think it's an unprecedented level of dominance. This is harkening back to the Soviet years when <laughs> all of the players or uh, on the national team were basically from Seska Moscow. Now we have Skas in Petersburg, who have you know basically provided half the roster. And that's also another thing that's kind of unprecedented. But if you look at this logically, there are explanations. There are purely hockey explanations to why. Uh, he has omitted some of the players. Uh, you know, uh, there are players in, in, in the KHL system who, who are not worse, really. Um, you know, uh, if you look at Chaika and, uh, and Gushin and Petrov and Jan Kuznetsov, I mean, they, these, these are good players. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're not, I mean, Gushin has spent too much in the USHL right now, and uh, he's he hasn't really played against really tough competition yet. I mean, he's playing for Niagara right now. He's um, he's he hasn't really built a huge resume, you know. In uh, it's uh, Petrov didn't really play very well at the at the U18s last year. Um, as for Chaika, uh, it looks like he has not really um, endeared himself to the national team. Mm. Uh, he did not, well, back when Larionov was coaching the team, uh, he did not come to the Larionov summer tournament there, uh, which uh, because he wanted to attend the draft. The draft was online draft, so he really nothing really prevented him to be in Russia at that point. Right. Uh, so he kind of burned some bridges there. There was kind of interpersonal situation. Uh, so you could, and, and, and besides, none of these guys are really like head and shoulders above the Russian competition. So when uh, Zubov is obviously, with all things being equal, gonna gonna pick the guys that he can see by himself, and it's gonna, he's gonna pick the guys that play for the team that pays his salary, basically. Uh, so. Uh, 
he really didn't have any compelling reasons uh, to call these people uh, up. But having said that, this is still a gamble. If they if they don't do well in Alberta, uh, uh, people are going to say, "Yeah, I mean, you 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 went for the old domestic with an old domestic roster and see what happened." Yeah. Well, they didn't uh, get a medal last year here in Edmonton. No fans, so a much different sort of atmosphere, uh, assuming we have fans, assuming there's a tournament yeah. this year, as yeah. you said. But Russia has never missed the podium two years in a row, so that that's also yeah. on the line here uh, for the Russians. All right, well, let's look at this team. And in net, I think everybody is expecting Yaroslav Askarov to be the starting netminder. He was last year. He wasn't very good, though, at, at points last nope. season. Is this the year now as a 19-year-old? It's his last year of eligibility. This really should be the tournament where he is dominant. Yeah, I would not be so sure. Really? I mean, he. I mean, definitely if you look at the attributes, if you look at uh, natural talent, he is in should be the number one goalie in his age group, and he should be the of all the, of the three guys who are going there. Um, he is. Um, Probably the guy with the most potential to be an NHL goaltender. Right. But he is having a horrible year in a, right now in a, back in Russia. Hmm. He's just not looking well. And uh, uh, I I don't know. There is a, there is a really good um, reason to think that he might be forced out of the roster uh, as the tournament goes on. Like Guskov from Lokomotiv and uh Motorigan from uh from Samara, you know, definitely could challenge him if, if things continue as they are. Uh right now, I mean he is number one just because obviously there the potential is there. Mm-hmm. Uh but he his transition to the KHL has been really, really tough and he didn't look good last year and um, I don't think he has a huge uh, credit line right now with the coaches. There might be, uh, the, the, they might be looking at, uh, at, at, at what other options they have. So okay. it's like this time last year, we're talking about how Russia is incredibly strong in that, but yeah. Karov, <laughs> that didn't work out. So uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be cautious this year. Okay. Well, that sounds fair. Uh, and I know last year he had such a, there was, so much attention paid to how often he lost his stick. Um, so he's he's gonna. Yeah. Oh gosh, yes. he could not hold on to no. it. No, <laughs> it's crazy. So we'll be watching for that too. Maybe they'll super glue it this year. That's right. Uh, tell me about the blue line and and the the defensive unit for Russia. You you mentioned every year that uh, this is the biggest question mark uh, for Russia. Is it the same thing again? Only three of them are drafted NHL drafted players, but uh, that doesn't always mean that uh, there aren't some really good players uh, that are not drafted yet. If, if you look at defense, uh, obviously there is uh, the star players are going to be the ones that uh, you're going to look at uh, first and foremost. Kirsanov, uh, Koromislov, Smirnov, uh, Grudinin from Seiska. Uh, uh, but uh, if, you know, if you look at the... Uh, uh, if you look at the defense, uh, what strikes me the most, and not just defense, also the forwards, uh, there's not a lot of right-handed shooters on mm-hmm. the team. I don't think I can't. I can't even think of any. At the, least of, uh, among the leading players, it's all left-handers. The only right-handed, really weird. The only right-handed shot on the entire team is Askarov in net. 
Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And he doesn't have his stick most of the time. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, it's, uh, yeah, this is unbelievable. They, they don't have any right-handed shooters, uh, which, you know, leads you to believe they're going to be kind of predictable on the power play, especially from the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, to think of it, uh, a few years ago with Bragan's team, uh, Bragan's team in Toronto, uh, I believe that the, the tournament was 2015, I think. Okay. They had, they hardly had any left-handers. Hmm. And they still they still got on the podium. So it's not necessarily a huge deficiency. It just makes the team a little bit more predictable and a little bit easier to defend against, especially in the power play. Uh, nobody really is looking for this def- uh, for this defensive unit to uh, carry the team, actually. Um, but uh, you know, uh, these, these are good, solid kind of ho-hum players. Um, uh, and once again, we're going to be looking at uh, Russia's defense, <laughs> hoping that the goalie picks picks up the slack. Uh, this is not this is traditionally not the unit that that excels. Uh, the uh, the only other hope is that Zubov Zubov's incredible experience and expertise in in playing defense will somehow translate to the players. If anybody in Russia can get the defense to play, you know, at least. Uh, maturely and uh, intelligently, that's going to be Zubov. The best Russian defenseman in the post-Soviet era, by far, at least the defensive defenseman. Since Slava Fetzi, so no? Yeah, in the post-Soviet era, yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, with this forward group, uh, obviously there's going to be a lot of eyes on Matvey yeah. Michkov because he's the, the phenom for next year's draft, but... Um, yeah. I, I don't know how much we should expect from the 16. We, we've got a couple here playing for Canada, underage players. I think it's almost unfair for us to expect them to be the stars of the tournament because it's it's hard to be um, that good when you're surrounded by 19-year-olds for the most part. But is he that good? Should we expect Matvey Michkov potentially the, the top scorer on this team? I mean, he's definitely going to be in the top line. The top line is going to be all St. Petersburg line with Hunsudinov and Svechkov and Michkov. Um, and nobody is expecting anyone else to be the top line. And uh, they're going to get the ice time and they're going to get the power play time and they're going to get the opportunities. Uh, the, the biggest uh, uh, name on, the, on, on offense is probably the guy who isn't going to be there, Miroshnichenko, who everybody thought would be the big Malkin-type star. I've heard these comparisons to Malkin and, uh, and other luminaries, but he's not even going. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, his team, uh, 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 Hartley's team, Avant-Garde Oms, uh, didn't even keep him in the starting lineup. They sent him down to the to the VHL and he, you know, he has had a really disappointing season. Mm-hmm. So he's not going. And um, uh, it's, uh, Again, this is Zubov is opening himself up for a lot of second guessing if they don't have any success in the tournament because that's that's a guy with a lot of God given talent. Um, you have another good liner, Tutnev, Ponomarev, and Pashin. Um, Ponomarev is from Spartak, uh, Pashin from Salavat Live. So it's a, well, Tutnev from Lokomotiv. So it's like the, this line obviously is not going to be a number one because. Russian coaches traditionally like to use players who are used to each other. These are already workable combinations from their club teams. But these three, these three are good. I mean, they uh, um, two years ago they first appeared at the Glinka, the Glinka tournament, uh, and uh, they, they looked very good. Um, then you have uh, even the grinders like Guslistov and Zinchenko. You know, 
good players who can definitely uh, contribute and you know, get some get some good ice time. Um, the I mean, this is a very workable offense. Yeah, it's, it's a workable offense. It's got you know, it's got players who you know have played against men, have played with each other, have gotten really good minutes in that KHL. Uh, there's a lot of talent. There's nobody who shoots on the right, but <laughs> what you gonna do? Uh, they're gonna play on their off wing a lot. But you know, the Russians are used to this. There, there's a lot. I mean, these guys, these 18, 19 year olds who play in the KHL, they play wherever the coach plugs them in. So it's not necessarily a huge adjustment to them. Um, the biggest question is again whether whether this. Uh, Coaching uh, musical chairs are gonna play a uh, play a trick on the Russians. Whether there's gonna be well, all these adjustments they had to make to different coaching styles and systems uh, are gonna be a source of confusion for them and a source of uh, misunderstandings and uh, conflict. So that that is definitely a possibility. But uh, if you look at this Russian team overall, I mean, there's uh, again there is a great offense. There's kind of a whole hum defense, and <laughs> this year there is a potential for greatness or disaster in goal. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, I mean, the way these tournaments work, they could be on the podium or they could crash and burn. Yeah. Uh, but everybody once again expects Canadians to win everything. So um, there's not, I don't think there's a whole lot of expectations uh, for the Russians to succeed, but there's a whole lot of potential to. Uh, for criticism and for um, for really really harsh assessments because of everything that's happened off that. Right. Uh, one more player I wanted to ask you about. Uh, we mentioned Matt Vimichkov for the 2023 draft, but uh, this year's draft has a uh, Danila Yurov, and I don't know if I pronounced that any of you were even close Yurov, to correct. Yes. Yurov. He could be a top 10 pick. A lot of people have him very high uh, for the draft this year. What are your expectations for him? What do you know about him? Well, obviously. <laughs> Obviously, the the fact that he's from Magnitogorsk, uh, you know, leads people to make um, all the all the wrong comparisons. Obviously, there's a this, this is Malkin stomping grounds. Uh, this is a hockey mad town, and uh, uh, he's uh, he has been, of course, playing in the junior league. He's playing for the Steel Foxes, which is Magnitogorsk's junior team. Okay. Um, uh, he's he's still extremely young. He's uh, he's gotten a little bit bigger lately. Uh, so that was his big thing. He was still tiny. He was 17 year old when the season started, and then he's uh, um, he was not used to the uh, to the speed of adult hockey. Uh, he, um, he just basically didn't have enough experience, maturity, and grit. Uh, but he has been. Um, Preparing all this year long to, uh, you know, to become a contributing KHL player. He has played, uh, in a case, has gotten minutes in the KHL this year. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of ice time. He's not been a huge contributor on a score sheet. Uh, but that's normal for a kid his age. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I don't think he's going to be necessarily a major contributor. Uh, this year uh, at this tournament, he's um, uh, Europe is a is still a 
is still a kid in development. He's still going to be wearing the mask, right? Right. <laughs> you don't see a whole lot of players like this contributing huge minutes for, for, for a Russian national team, which has tons of talent. But the fact that he's going to be there uh, is already a, a huge testament to uh, to what kind of player he is. I mean, he's there and Nershnichenko isn't. So that's... Uh, uh, that 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 speaks volumes of what type of potential he's got. Um, but I mean, definitely a huge opportunity for him to raise his draft his draft stock. Whether he's a top ten pick, I, it's hard to project. Yeah. Especially this year, it's all crazy. I don't think scouts have been able to uh, uh, work as, as as efficiently as they usually do with COVID and with all the schedule craziness. Um, but. Uh, he's definitely a first-round pick, that's for sure. And uh, whether or not he's uh, he's a type of player who will be an immediate impact in the, in the NHL, or when he goes to, whenever he goes there, I don't know. It's he's still a growing boy. <laughs> he's, I mean, he the way he looks now is very different from how he looked a few months ago. Right. Because you know he's growing muscles, he's in the weight room, and he's still he's still growing into his body. We'll see. It's it's interesting. He's a very interesting prospect. What are your expectations for this team at the end of the tournament? I mentioned that they haven't uh, missed the podium two years in a row ever, and they weren't on the podium last year. Do you see them getting a medal this year, or is this uh, is this going to be uh, that record-setting year of uh, a dismal uh, performance? No, oh, for sure, I can see them getting a medal. I mean, you, you, they can, they should get a medal on every tournament, or but. Uh, this is insane. I mean, who knows? Who is the, again? We don't even know at this point that the tournament is gonna <laughs> continue normally. Yeah. There could be players in quarantine. There could be games canceled. There could be anything. Anything can happen right now. Um, I, I I think this is a team that should be in the semifinals for sure. Uh, Russians should be in the semifinals every every year. Uh, there, I know there's been a lot of criticism like in Europe a lot, of, a lot of people are saying that you know this is a team that will get knocked out immediately they will not medal um, and there are reasons to think that I mean this is not the most star-studded lineup right? you don't have a Svechnikov which you know kind of guy you had in Buffalo right mm-hmm. you don't have uh, you don't you, you don't have the 2011 uh, lineup with Kuznetsov and Tarasenko uh, it's, this, this is not the same type of lineup is not the same type of expectations, but it's still a high quality team that can do damage if if they hold up on the back on the backhand. It's always a huge if, and it's not always the big stars who carry the Russians. Uh, I, I remember tournaments where the hero goalies were the guys who didn't really do much yes. in, in, in an NHL career. I remember a, a tournament where Vasilevsky was pulled in favor of a guy who is not anywhere close to the NHL right now. <laughs> so, you know, things, uh, things are crazy sometimes. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was Makarov. That's right. Makarov who crushed out of Buffalo of all places. That's right. Vasilevsky was pulled from Makarov in the tournament in Sweden and he was in Makarov played great. Uh, you can't always predict. You can't always look at the names and the NHL potential and say this team is going to do great. Uh, but R- Russians always have a way. The Russian U20 team always has a way to uh, to make it exciting at the very least. And I think I think we can definitely expect them to make it exciting. Terrific setup for the tournament for Russia. Before <laughs> I let you go, Slev, I have to ask you: What do you have against peanut butter? 
<laughs> my, the, the reason I rail against the unbutton on Twitter is not even so much the fact I hate it. It's, it's the fact that uh, uh, North Americans have this weird uh, conviction that it's a staple food everywhere in the world. Yeah. <laughs> which, which it isn't. It's extremely weird and strange to most of the world. Uh, and I kind of, uh, when, when I first came here 30 years ago and uh, people told us that this is actually food, we couldn't believe it because it just it doesn't look like food. It looks like some kind of industrial glue. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're not used to it from your childhood, it, childhood, it tastes like it too. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, see, I didn't know that. I, I, I actually ha- did think that it was popular around the world, or that at least that it wasn't unusual. But you know, when you explain it that way, then it makes sense. But even you know, what about peanuts? Can you eat peanuts or no? I can, but again, it's, it wasn't something that was. Um... Uh, that was common where I grew up. I gotta tell you though, peanut butter tastes great in Reese's. Yes, as an ingredient in candy. Yes, it's of spectacular. But by itself or on white bread, it's just an adhesive. <laughs> <laughs> That's outstanding. Well, I'm glad we uh, we're on the same page when it comes to uh, Reese's peanut butter cups. There we go. Oh yeah, okay. those things are addictive. All right. Slava, (laughs) as always, man, I really, really appreciate your time. This was terrific. Uh, Best of the holiday season to you. Have a good night. All right. That was a fun conversation. Slava Malamud, who was uh, setting the table for Team Russia. And I wish I could say that I think Team Russia is going to do well. I like Slava. So I kind of like I have a soft spot now for Russia. But I don't like the way they put their team together. I have uh, some issues with that. And to me, it almost... It almost seems like, you know, there's a lot of criticisms of some coaches in the NHL who they just go against the grain because it seems like they're, they're smarter than everybody else. That, that's Russia in this situation. To me, by not taking a bunch of these guys who are playing in North America, it's just them saying, you know what, we're smarter than you. Go ahead, question us. And maybe, maybe it'll work out for them. Maybe they'll go home with the gold medal and they can just stick it in everybody's face. That might be the rallying point for them. Personally, I expect it's not going to work out for them. I think they are going to miss the podium, and I might even predict them to finish fourth in their pool because I think Slovakia is going to be an interesting and fun team to watch. All right, I put the question of the week together on uh, Twitter, and I put it out there. I want to know your podium prediction and who's going to win the uh, uh, top four, top defenseman, and top goaltender. Uh, And my prediction, I've got Canada winning gold, U.S. silver, and Sweden bronze. My top forward, and there's a lot of obviously worthy candidates. I think I went with, I'm trying to remember because I actually posted a couple days ago now. I think I went with William Eklund from Sweden. But there's definitely, you know, that was not an easy decision to come to, to to single it down to to one player. I got a lot of response to that question. Uh, A lot of people would say, okay, here's some of the responses. Jess says, Maddie Beniers. Gary says, William Eklund. Nick has uh, picked out Brett Berard from Team USA. Matt has Joachim Kemmel from Finland. Euler Redemption says Shane Wright. Barry has William Eklund. Andrew's got Matt Vimichkov. Wouldn't that be something? Another vote for Matty Beniers. Here's Cole Perfetti. Jake Neighbors getting the homer vote as uh, all three uh, players named by Jordan were Oil Kings. One vote for Kent Johnson. Another for Matty Beniers. So as you can tell, it's not an easy question to answer. 
But I went with uh, William Eklund, and I uh, in brackets I put Matty Beniers as my second choice. Uh, for defenseman, I went with Jake Sanderson with Owen Power as my number two. And for top goaltender, I have uh, picked Jesper Wallstead, largely because I don't know who the number one guy for Canada is. I think whoever that turns out to be could be the top goalie in the tournament. But right now, I don't know if it's Dylan Garand or, or Sebastian Kosa. I think they'll figure that out through the round robin portion. And maybe because they split time like that, maybe that works against uh, one of them winning goalie of the tournament. Uh, so I'm going with Jesper Wallstead. So you can find my picks on Twitter and you can uh, share your thoughts with me as well at TPS underscore Guy. That does it for this week's episode. That does it for 2021. I hope everybody enjoys the World Junior Championship. Knock on wood that it actually still continues to be uh, played. Right now, they've knocked it down to 50% capacity. I know I've talked to some uh, some media folks who share my thought, my concern, my expectation almost that it might even end up being no fans in the building. I hope it doesn't come to that. I really do. But I think it's kind of trending that way. I hope I'm wrong. Quick thank you to everybody who has signed up to be a patron here in 2021. I really, really appreciate uh, that support. And I hope uh, you'll continue on in 2022 and that more will consider uh, becoming a patron as well. You get early access to all the interviews you hear on a full episode of the show. You get them two, three, four, sometimes uh, days before everybody else. And it's only a couple of bucks a month and 10% less than that if you sign up for uh, an annual package. Lastly, we want to thank all the sponsors uh, that you hear on the show or that uh, some, of, some of them you don't even hear about on the show. They just want to support the program. They, they find value in it and uh, support it that way. Uh, of course, title sponsor, Wheelhawk Beef Jerky. Troubled Monk sponsors the hotline. College Hockey Inc. has been a partner of the Pipeline Show for, uh, it's got to be, it's more than a decade now. The folks over at Silent Ice, everybody else you can find on the sponsors slash partners page at thepipelineshow.com. And lastly, I really, really sincerely hope that you enjoy the uh, holiday break. Whatever you happen to be celebrating, I hope that 2022 is uh, much better for you than 2021 was, and I hope 21 was better than 2020. I'm not going to get political, but uh, 2022, let's try to stay safe, have a happy holidays, take care of yourselves, and uh, have some compassion for your, uh, those around you. And if you are one who has a hard time at this uh, time of year, then um, know you're not alone and uh, seek and ask for help because help is there. Hell, you can hit me up on Twitter. My DMs are open at TPS underscore Guy. Okay, everybody. I will talk to you in 2022. Until then, this has been the Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. And my name is Guy Flaming. See ya. See ya.